Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Inquiries of Our Reality, do me a favor and drop me a review or rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. While you're at it, come join the Discord or Telegram groups for the show. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow me across social media to stay updated on the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can subscribe to my Patreon for just $5 a month, where you will receive early access to Inquiries of Our Reality, Big Dumb Inquiries, and Bizarre Encounters. You can also support the show by donating on Anchor or Ko-fi, which will help me upgrade equipment and hopefully eventually do this full-time so I can put out even more awesome content for you guys. If you guys want some t-shirts or other awesome merchandise for Increase of Our Reality, Big Dumb Increase, or Bizarre Encounters, stop by my Teespring store and get yourself something nice. If you're a creator or a listener, come check out Open Minds Media. We have an awesome community of great people who would love to meet you. From our featured creator podcast feed, to chat rooms, to even help questions, this is the place for you. For more information on the community, the podcast feed, and to stay updated on all the new things coming, check us out on social media, and all their links are available on our link tree. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered on the show, or you feel you can contribute to the show in any way, shape, or form, shoot me a message on social media, or feel free to email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the link tree link to be directed. Or remember, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Increase of Our Reality Podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate all of you, and I couldn't be doing this without your support. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 75th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me... I have Craig Lefebvre. He is an author, energy healer, and contactee. And uh, what not a better person to tell him uh, tell you about him than him himself? <laughs> Messed that one up a little bit, but <laughs> they get the gist. <laughs> How's Thanks it going, for there, having man? me on, Shane. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm an author. I've written eight books. Uh, I'm a contactee. I've had uh, abduction experiences uh I've come to uncover since uh, childhood and uh, I've had some intermittent contact in the last uh, few years, but it kind of dropped off with COVID. Uh, I also do uh, Reiki and energy healing as well. So I have a practice. Um, so I usually see clients just on the weekend, have uh, been working with some people uh, on and off and uh I've been working really closely with somebody recently uh, for the last few months that uh, has cancer and had a tremendous uh, 
feedback from her and success. So it uh, surprised me. So I, I have my hands in a lot of different things. I also do uh, psychic channeling. Uh, my first two books were uh, some small collections of that, uh, where I talked to anywhere from angels, aliens, uh, uh, let's see, Tesla, Einstein, talked to Hitler. I mean, I covered the gamut, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> so I, uh, I do that as well. Um, I did have a... Uh, a Facebook and Instagram page until the uh, big brother wiped me out. So uh, those are no longer there. Unfortunately, you'd have to go to my website. They tend to do that when, uh, when you're onto them. <laughs> yeah. So just from the sounds of that, it sounds like you've had a pretty fascinating life. So I guess like, what's a, what's a good starting point? What was like the first thing you got into? Um, did everything kind of build off of one specific thing, but I'd like to touch base on a little bit of everything that you do because I find it fascinating. Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I became interested in, uh, I, I guess you could say, a ghost paranormal kind of stuff since I was a little kid, uh, or early as elementary school. I was fascinated by it. And uh, I started probably like high school, college. I started, you know, buying books, reading stuff up, reading stuff up, and just kind of expanded from there until. Uh, I was in my early 20s. I uh, got into classes. I took Reiki and I did the three levels of that. And then I went to school for three years, uh, Institute of Healing Arts and Sciences. Uh, I studied with a teacher who was also a psychologist. So the energy healing that I do, uh, the healing is stemming from uh, a very psychology, uh, like I say, foundation. So you're looking at the healing I do with uh, people's uh, body types, energy types, um, like people who are orality, like smoke cigarettes, they eat a lot, uh, people who are rigid, they're control freaks, and uh, people who are psychopathic, they uh, have to be your best friend and you know get real close to you con- to control you. So you're doing like a lot of the character types, and you see a big mix-up with people that come and this is what helps you initially when you get somebody lying on the table. You're looking at what their body type is, where they're holding energy. And then you go in deeper with uh, the chakra system where uh, you the first one starts between your legs, your base chakra, which is uh, your your family, the, the architecture of beliefs, uh, community. And then your second chakra gets into sexuality. And then the reverse side of that, ironically, is money. So you're going through all the different uh, issues with people and you're seeing where they're holding their energy, what kind of illnesses that they're, uh, they're manifesting. And you're, you're attacking this from the perspective of people, their bodies are trying to tell them that they're sick even before disease ever comes. And if they, they reach a point where they manifest disease, cancer, or whatever that's going to be, it's to the point where, okay, now you need to physically process this, this uh, mental issue, this energy blockage. So it kind of, the body goes through stages and it starts with holding energy. As you say, we, we like to go from the perspective of a core, uh, a core wound, so to speak. So there was like one big event in your life, say you're right around the age of seven of eight, seven or eight, say, like, say your dad hit you, like gave you the beating of your life, you know, and then you uh, kind of build your character around that wound. And you have all this like whole complex 
of uh, walls that you put up and all your relationships are affected by that core wound. However you relate to people in your life, your wife, your kids, that kind of is like what your, your wound is driving how you relate to all the people going on down the line. So that's what I try to peel back the layers to, to get people to uh, heal. Is it more so in like a, like a psychic way or are you asking more so in like asking questions to try to figure out how to get to that core? I'm put, I'm doing hands-on and I'm channeling energy into the body and I'm putting my hands over the energy centers. Um, I also use uh, sound healing as well. So I have tuning forks, singing bowls and stuff like that. Um, that kind of helps me do a lot of the heavy lifting. If somebody has like, you know, serious, like really tight, tense energy, mm-hmm. I kind of start with that sometimes. And then uh, as of late, um, this is the way that I mentioned the uh, client that has cancer, I've been working from the premise of doing visualizations. So every time she comes and lays on the table, I kind of do like a mental visual journey with her where I'm taking her through different parts of her life and moving through different issues and, you know, having her do like guided imagery, so to speak. So I started incorporating that into like everybody else that came when I, when I figured out like, after maybe 20 minutes or so what their issue might be that they're having. So I started doing that for a lot of people. And it's like, it just like kind of like took things to another level for me mm-hmm. of being able to heal people. I'm like, wow, this is really intense. Like it, the people that are on the table are teaching me like just as much as, you know, I'm doing healing, you know? Yeah. And I'm assuming you're a big empath too. And you kind of just pick up on their energy to begin with just from the time you were born. It was kind of something you kind of just fell into and grew into just because of the things you were already into? Yeah, I'm I'm very sensitive. Like I walk into a room and I know immediately who I like and don't like. And oh yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> energy energy, I feel it sensitive. You know, I'll be on a, a train car in the city and I'll get up and change cars because I'm like, there's some seriously nasty shit on this car. I'm like, I gotta move now, you know? Or you run into a person in the street and you freaking beeline the other way. Because your gut tells you. Oh yeah, it's following your intuition. I feel like everybody kind of like has it to an extent, but they like forget how to use it. So yes. it takes like a special type of like tuning back in to kind of get it back to a point where you know you can actually get a feel for people before you actually talk to them. But also considering that uh, you're an empath, um, and you kind of getting into like the channeling and stuff too, um, does that almost make it easier, or does it make it harder for you because you kind of feel the emotions of whatever you're channeling on top of it? Um, I, I kind of, I, at first I had to really kind of build boundaries around it and how I was doing it. And, you know, I was, I kind of keep an open door when I sit down to channel, I, I just write in the, f- the first two books that I wrote, I wrote entirely by hand and then typed up. Now I get, I've gotten to the point where I can sit down and type out a message. It's gotten a lot easier for me. Um, it, I have a sense where, you know, sometimes I know right away who it is I'm talking to. And then I also have kind of a architecture set up where somebody, I, I look at where they're standing. So I'll say like angels are in front of me. Um, spirit guides will be right next to me right here. And then behind me, usually the, the people that show up to talk to me are standing like right here. Um, sometimes if I'm talking to somebody who's negative or darker, they can be over here. Um, so I kind of figured this out over doing it hundreds of times, like who's what, where, when, and why. And it's, uh, 
yeah, occasionally, um, you know, it, it can be weird because you're, when you're channeling too, and you're, you're doing this, I guess, just for me, you're getting visuals, you're getting kind of, uh, audible. So I'll sit down and, you know, in front of the computer and I'll have a sense that somebody's there. I'll get a push. And then I get the first sentence that's going through my head. And sometimes I'm not even sitting in front of the computer. I could be out mowing the lawn and a sentence just starts going through my head. So I run, sit down in front of the computer, grab a piece of paper, and I just start writing. And I have no idea where it's going, what's going to happen. I just try to keep my mind out of, it, out of it as much as I can. That's the hardest part about doing the kind of automatic rant writing that I do, this type of channeling. And, you know, I, I've had where I'm doing channels too, where people like cut off in the middle of the channel and somebody else steps in and finishes the conversation. And like, when you go from like, say Jesus to aliens in the same conversation, you're like, wow, the universe is a really fucked up place. You know, mm-hmm. at least, at least from where I'm standing. So it's, it can get really weird, but sometimes it's really fascinating and I like it when I get to talk to somebody I've never talked to before and I have no idea who they are. That's that's like the absolute best. That like makes my day. And then it, I really have to fight hard to figure out who it is and who this person is and get a name because getting names for me can be really hard unless it's like, you know, say Metatron comes in or the Palladians, whatever. It's like, that's like second nature for me. Um, getting other people that aren't typical ones is, is harder. Um and then again, you get, sometimes you get stuff that's so, so far out. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at my, my book, The Vessel of One. Yeah. I've gotten to skim through it a little bit. I haven't gotten to sit down and read the whole thing yet, but it's, it's on the top of my list. <laughs> there is, there is one channel that haunts me. <laughs> and I, I'm going to read it. It's short. I'm going to read it to you really quick. And this one, like, I think about it every once in a while. And my, my cousin, uh, she edited the book for me. We've had some conversations about it, but it's like, it's like just one of those things that kind of haunts me. It's called the AI mind complex. A machine is to be built to serve all of humanity's needs. All are welcome to choose what the mechanism has to offer. How will it appear? What is it that a said machine will offer? I presume you all know this story and how it will end. It is artificial intelligence, and it is not your friend. It's disruptive to the human cause. It is to be placed into the human brainstem and help improve your intelligence. Its altering current assumes your reality quadrant. It's presumed to help each and every one who's choosing to use it. Even creating the miracle of allowing you to walk and helping you steer clear of your dying breath. This is, in fact, what it is to make you call what you call sheeple. Do not be fooled into false reality when this technology emerges into your reality stream. It is said to be false, to be a trick into your own enslavement. If you're thinking that this sounds too fantastical, what would George Washington have thought about a cell phone? Could you have ever, could you have ever imagined that? Be careful and be warned. So uh, this, this was like, you know, I randomly sat down, started writing, and that's where the conversation led to. And, you know, just getting the, they gave me the visual with this too, which was weird. Like this box that was like going into the back of your neck as well. And 
Did you ever figure out who it was coming from exactly? Or was uh, it yes, kind of a mystery? Is, sorry, this is from uh, the uh, Pleiadians, a group of ETs that I connect with. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, it sounds like, you know, something like that. Keanu Reeves should be in a movie with this. You know what I mean? It's just like, where the fuck did this come from? You know, it's there's like dozens of references in this 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 one book to dna and that changing and then the frequency of the sun having an effect on you and then they just kind of go back and forth between various sources dna the sun light alter alternating you know your dna pool through exposure to uh to light and the frequency and then i was reading through this yesterday and you know it was you know, preparing for when we got together. And then I'm sitting there because I haven't read this book in a long time. I'm like, oh my God, chemtrails. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's like full circle with the, the, the conspiracy. It's like, I mean, I, I've, I've seen this shit in the sky. Everybody has, but it's like, oh my God. It, like all of a sudden the light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, with all the references in here. And then I'm like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, that is just way too scary, man this shit how, comes full circle how long ago was this because it seems like it's extremely relevant to right now too or maybe it, it's just relevant to what's going on in the past couple of years but it seems like it's like they're trying to warn you of something that's coming like almost if yes time isn't necessarily linear maybe they can already see where the future is going to be and maybe and, they're trying to change it and i think that's the case because i what did i start this 2016 I was writing this, so, and then they also give me, I woke up with this as a, sometimes you have downloads opposed to channeling a message, so it's literally like you wake up and there's like a whole message in your head, it, it's the weirdest, it's like. It's like aside from a dream though, right? Like it's it's something in your head that you didn't dream about, it's like a, like a full message. Correct, it's just like, you remember those little uh, vitamin pills that have the sponges inside them that are shaped like animals? Yep. <laughs> okay this the only way i can give an analogy of what this is like it's like i put one of those in your head and all of a sudden the whole history of the elephant is in your head and it kind of basically just slowly expands and you're like wait what and you know the whole story so it, it it's just a bizarre it almost sounds that- like the opposite of a dream because normally like you wake up from a dream and it starts big and kind of fades away into nothing but it's it's like the opposite because it sounds like you're saying from the more you're awake, it starts to branch out. It's like a almost it like does. an anti dream in a sense, you know. It opens up like a flower. I mean, and that's that's where I got this from too. This is the um, the time stream drawing, and that was that was a download too because basically with the abduction experience, the way I understood it was they. Uh, you have in your energy field, or you could say the timeline that you're on. If you're looking at it as non-linear, is in like a circle, you have confluence points where they're taking you in and out of where time doesn't exist. Yeah, because it's like yeah, the like in between point between like the the linear timeline in a sense, right? Or not yes. non-linear timeline. So this this is this is how they're describing like missing time and how. It doesn't seem like any time passed at all. They just kind of take you temporarily out of that stream, so to speak, and then Correct. put you back in. Like if you imagine time like a almost like a continuous stream that goes in a circle, they kind of just 
temporarily pluck you out of that stream. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and it would be like... And they could put you right back in the same place in that stream. That's kind of like the 20 and back concept, too. Correct, correct. It's You're unplugged and then plugged back in. And I look at it, too, as um, it's, it's almost like with with the abduction experiences and how it's affected me it's like there's two different facets to your brain and like one side is the conscious life and everything that's going on your day-to-day self and it's almost like they shut that off and then the other side of your reality your your this other part of your mind kind of comes online yeah it's like like the back subconscious part of it that you kind of it becomes like the forefront of your mind essentially when you're having these experiences right Yes. Yeah. And it it kind of, uh, where I kind of broke into this was through, uh, teaching myself to consciously dream. So I started, I was reading, uh, Hank Wesselman's books, uh, Spirit Walker. I think there's three of them. And he started having this crossover between himself and then a future version of himself. And it was on, it was on the earth in, Everything was gone. Everything was forested over. Everything kind of reverted to this this tribal uh, setting. So he ends up living between there and now as he you know he goes to sleep and he's living this other guy's life and he's in the background of his mind and they're like experiencing everything together. Hmm. So when you spirit walk, when I when I wake up in these dreams. And I look down, my body isn't my own. And then I start to look around. Everything is slightly different or the scenery is completely drastically different. Like a different city, colors look completely different. It's it's crazy. And so I started teaching myself to, to you know, at first look at your hands and look at your feet in your dream. And then you're consciously telling yourself as you're falling asleep, to just to do that one simple thing and then eventually in time you can and then once you start to do that it it kind of blows open this whole other door i guess consciousness within yourself i I mean like somebody would do say with like lsd or something where they're seeing colors and pictures and things are moving completely in a different frequency from their normal life Mm mm-hmm so I started keeping track of some of these lives too, where I, there's one that's very familiar where I, I, I'm a carpenter. I live in this house. I have two little dogs opposed to two big dogs that I used to have. And then the backyard goes way uphill. My neighbor's house looks different. There's a gate over. I started like mentally kind of tracking it every time I crossed over into this one life, looking at it. And it, it, it almost at one point I was like, I'd gone like way too far. Like I felt like I couldn't shut it off. And then like my dream life was like so busy and so chaotic for a few years. And I'm like, I wish I never did this. And then it kind of settled down. And then I started focusing more and doing psychic development stuff. Um, I have a, a friend who's started teaching me how to uh, like do psychic readings opposed to channeling which i taught myself so it gave me more focus and then i kind of reeled it into a point where now or i go in and i'm like you know looking around and kind of studying the situation what what's there what's going on and there, there were a couple instances where i became conscious in these other bodies and the 
person was hurt and this this lady was on i was in this this woman's body she was on the bathroom floor passed out and like i forced her to be awake and she finally gets up and you know blue tile bathroom you know uh, kind of a two-legged pedestal sink and then i i'm in her body and i look in the mirror and she's like caucasian except she's like an et hybrid like large eyes totally different face shape and and then like once i realized this i like snapped out of it and i woke up so when you go to these other places um do you kind of envision it more as like something that's like connecting in your subconscious mind or do you see it as like uh like other worlds that you're like spiritually going to in a sense like parallel or do you think lives it's like, yeah like parallel and then the parallel lives uh do you see it as just uh like people you have a connection to or like ancestry or do you see it as more like an Akashic Records thing where you kind of could pop into like anybody that's kind of like lived through time? I see I see it as, as an experience of myself. And these are alternate versions of myself, different realities, but my soul inhabiting different bodies. And what I had learned through the channeling was they referred to it as the um, as fingers to the hand. So our sense of self and our sense of soul is singular. But in fact, uh, you can have like many, many different lifetimes going on all at once. Do you imagine that more as like uh, like everything is kind of split from the same consciousness or do you see it as, um, I don't know, more like it's like like there's a consciousness and imagine it almost like a, like a light shining through like layers of paper where it would kind of like shine continuously through like multiple dimensions and hence it's like the same consciousness not so much split but just kind of like a reflection through dimensions i would say like a reflection through dimensions i mean reality is from what we understand is just well start at the beginning you're indoctrinated into a school system that teaches you you know your colors your abcs counting your numbers adding subtraction and this is how you're programmed to perceive this reality and we're not let me say you grew up in america you're white middle class you know you grew up in a culture that you know maybe you grew up going to church and that was kind of your exposure to spirit and you know that was for me too until you know after high school i said now nah, i'm done with the church and uh when we start to unravel who we are and examine who we are and peel back the layers and like i mentioned earlier with the the whole uh chakra stuff with issues as we start to heal and amend all the those uh all the stuff that is wrong with us energetically we start to have access to other stuff outside of that so by healing ourselves we're able to go in another direction and expand our minds in an area that we weren't previously allowed to have access to because we're so buried underneath all of this crap that our society puts on our head. It's almost you know like expanding I mean? your frequency in a sense. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So the more that you heal and bring back your energy to yourself, you know, imagine that, like, imagine really quick, everybody in high school that you had an issue with that say was a bully to you or they're an asshole they gave you shit 
your energy is now tethered to each one of those persons and then go throughout your entire life and figure out all these people that, you know, you had difficulties with that you have resentment towards. That's where your energy is pointed. So you kind of have to go through this matrix of healing, cutting all the cords and slowly healing yourself layer by layer, wound by wound. And then your body is at a, your energy body is now at a point where it can do far more amazing shit than it was able to before, because it's not being drained energetically by, you know, monsters in your closet. Oh yeah. It's almost like a, like a concept of like a candle in a sense that, you know, you take part of the flame and spread it into a bunch of places versus if you bring all those flames back together, it creates like the bigger flame and then it's able to shine farther and shine brighter. Yeah. And and then you can also take that to the point of, uh, of karma where we're now at a conjunction where we stand, where the energy is like really, really tense. And we're almost, it's like we're uh, threading the eye of the needle. And if you picture seven versions of you into the future and seven versions into the past, you're standing at the present moment and you're dragging lifetimes of other crap behind you as well. So not only do you need to heal yourself in, in the present time frame, but you also have a whole train of cars behind you of other stuff that you need to resolve. And that's why the people that are in your current life right now are there because they're there to help mirror that old stuff and to help you process it so you can get it done and over with. Yeah, because it's one of those things where it's like you look for what you need as you need it, and then <clears throat> they kind of help you build to be a better person as you go along. And that's kind of why, you know, kind of lose some friends here and there. You kind of gain some others. Is Everything's intended to happen for a reason. And it's part of your life journey to have each individual part of your path, whether it be good or bad. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you've had bad parts in it, um, then it's just something that you've been able to go through that other people haven't. Yet, yep. or if you know they are going through it, then you're more able to help them through it because you've been there before. So it's still like a needed part of your path in a sense, you know. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I, I had a rough time growing up. My parents were divorced. My mother was a alcoholic, pill popper, fall down in your face, drunk, and uh, you know that was a lot of uh, stuff that I needed to heal. And it, you know, I still occasionally have to work on it as well, you know. And I think that is an advantage to my life because it it uh took me to some dark places but i also had to come out of that and heal and that's what helps me heal other people is the fact that i've had to in a, you know in a, my own sense walk through the fire honestly you know? my story is not too different from yours so i'm kind of in the same boat as you um except i just kind of started getting a voice podcasting and that was my way of kind of like giving back and sharing my stories to help people you know see that there is another side on side there is another side that they can get to past, you know, what they're currently in. And the only way to really do that is to share your stories in a sense too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and the more you can do that, I mean, I, my big thing is is I've been able to channel a lot of my stuff into writing um, with regards to like my abduction experiences and, you know, kind of weird phenomenon that's happened to me over the years. Um, This, my, my new book fallout was like, the place I I needed to just dump all that stuff. And I put it there too, so I could remember it because there's a lot of things that have happened over the years that like every once in a while reminded of something that happened, but I've like, my mind is just, you know, starting to block stuff out. Like, you know, it's done. It's over with, let go of it, move on. So your, uh, your book is written more so in the sense of like a novel, uh, correct? Correct. Correct. I, 
the the uh, protagonist is Carl. You you meet him as a uh, a young boy. He's from Brooklyn. Uh, his parents uh, get in. Well, his parents were never married. They get in a huge fight, and the father takes off. And he ends up getting dumped off on his grandfather for the summer uh, up in Connecticut, Brantford, where I, I spent my summers, where my grandfather's house was. Um, so I use that as the backdrop of uh, where he, you know, he, he has he's coming from this place where he's black and he's white. He's insecure about that. He's insecure because, you know, his father just walked out of his life and he's meeting a grandfather. He has no idea who this guy is. And his mother's like had a falling out with her father, but she calls him out of desperation. Like, Hey, I need you to watch my kid. You know, I'm, she was going back to school, trying to get her master's degree. She's a teacher, et cetera, et cetera. So he comes into the care of his grandfather who ends up kind of being the uh, best thing that ever happened to him being the father that, uh, you know, he could ever possibly, you know, the best father he could ever possibly want. And the old man has his, you know, his old, his ways of looking at the world. He was in the Navy and, you know, he's very patriotic. Um, you know, it's just kind of a by the books guy, but the old man had, uh, ET experiences when he was in the Navy. And I borrowed some of the themes from, uh, the uh did you ever hear the books the montauk project yeah of course yeah i i borrowed s- some of the themes from that and um uh, where he meets an et on the boat when they're running tests and you know he's he's just like you know he's he's a knuckle breaker he's a plumber on the boat but for some reason after he has this et encounter another shipmate comes in and dumps some files on him. It's like, Hey, sneak these off the boat for me. He has no idea what they were. And then that kind of starts his life to acquiring letters and documents and other weird shit that, you know, for a long time, he has no idea why he's in charge of this stuff. And the ETs want him to eventually down the road, he comes to find out, dump all this stuff on his grandson who starts getting abducted while he's staying at his house. (laughs) So the young Carl is an artist and he ends up channeling all these stories and all this information into graphic novels and telling and exposing all the phenomena and stuff around it. So that becomes his therapy and his outlet for having to go through this stuff. But then it goes a step further as he's older, you get to meet him as an adult. You know, he's getting married. He has a house. His wife ends up getting abducted and the baby goes missing. Like a whole bunch of tragic kind of shit happens down the line as things start to look like they're improving. The ETs are kind of like always in the background. It's not like the main upfront part of the story either, because what I wanted to kind of put across was that, you know, we're every everybody that goes through this has these types of experiences. We get up every day and go to work. We're trying to just live our lives. But in another sense, it's always in the background of your mind because you're looking for it. And every once in a while, some something weird pops up or you see something or something jars your memory. And then all of a sudden you're kind of like right back there. But, you know, I wanted to, to focus on some of the day to day stuff and, you know, their lives and the things that happen in, uh, you know, kind of show both sides of the coin how one are affecting the other and 
he Carl starts to look at his life and he starts to question reality. And, you know, he's seen some weird stuff. He's in his publisher's office in New York City and he's looking out the window. They're, you know, they're having a meeting. He's getting his contract extended. Things are moving really good. And he, he goes to the uh, the guy, you know, the, the uh, publisher. He's like, you ever thought about jumping out that window? He's like, do you mean to kill yourself? He goes, no. To see if this is even real. It's like called to the void. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, you know, he, everything... I mean, when you have experiences with the phenomenon, the paranormal, to a point, you're, it's like you're kind of looking at the side of your eye, you know, every once in a while to see if something's there or you catch something. And, you know, you, you question a lot of things because things don't make sense. Yeah. You know and the I mean? more you see it, the more you can't unsee it. It's like it's hard to, you know, fall back asleep once you've taken the red pill because you'll just start seeing little piece by piece to a point where it's like you can't hide it. It just becomes like big facet of your life is just you perceive the world that way yeah and in i the the abductions were happening and they were kind of in the background and they seemed like dreams for a long time and once the more i got into dreaming the more they became real and then i realized that they were really happening but there was the event where they took me on board and i wake up and i'm conscious and from what I could perceive, I'm hanging there naked and I see this ET in front of me, Brown, he's kind of have a scalloped head, like from here back. And I'm screaming at him, like, you know, what are you doing to me? And you're like, we're going to heal your cancer. I'm like, don't have cancer. And they stuck a scoop down my throat, pulled out with a rod, like this big goopy black ball. And then I remember getting a, a needle shoved into the back of my jaw i think prior to that and i when i woke up i could taste like metal in my mouth and in my stomach when i woke up i i didn't go to work my stomach was killing me like felt horrible for like a day and then it kind of passed and but do you think they took you like spiritually or do you think they like physically took your like body to wherever they were doing this physical yeah, that's what I, that's what I assumed. Was, that's kind of how I took it. I just wanted to verify. It, it was this just solidified everything I thought that was going on. Like it became too real at that point. And you know, you have people that have abductions that are physical, and then you have people that have abductions that are astral as well. So they can take your astral body out. Hey, we're going off for a joyride. We're going to show you X, Y, and Z, and sure okay that's fine but when you have like the physical physical encounters it's you know i don't care how many times you experience it you know part of you is going to be a little bit broken from it so like how did it start did it start off kind of like small and light and then kind of build up to that serious point or what did it kind of just start off um like full full throttle right off the bat and like, what age do you think that this kind of experience has started at where they started actually they, having contact with you? I had come to find out they were taking me as a baby. This is much, much later in life. And I was born with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome and uh, basically club feet. And they had showed me that they were taking me since then. 
was it more so that they like selected you because of something like uh like with your ancestry or DNA, or do you think that they were like trying to help you with these ailments because like there was something special about you that they saw, or like what what do you um, think that the reasoning may have been? To give you the really easy answer, let's say you and I are both ETs, we're in the same family, and then you you'd make the decision to go incarnate on Earth, and you're gonna do X, Y, and Z when you're there, and your job is to hold frequency, and your job is going to be something else. They know full well who is who from from their vantage point, and you may look different, and you know you may not have any memory of it, but they know. I would say ninety percent of the time, they know full well who who they're taking, and you know people generally have one abduction experience, or they have a lifetime of it. And then I had gotten into uh, meditation when I was in um, in college, I was dealing with issues of depression, and uh, my uh, my my shrink had taught me to uh, do like progressive muscle relaxation. So I was meditating, <clears throat> and I was studying all this other stuff too. As I told you earlier, you know, this a lot of this stuff fascinated me for many reasons. So I got into the meditation. I started books on astral projection, and so I was trying to do this. So I would lay on the floor, get, you know, basically slow down my breathing till you're barely breathing, you're totally relaxed. And then I started seeing, like, uh, like imagine if you're going through an air duct, you know, how there's steel and it's like sectioned off. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kept seeing, and I. I was like, I don't know what this is. And, and it, kept, it kept happening, kept happening. And then um, one day I'm, I'm doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden I'm looking down at a baseball field. And I'm looking at a big square, open square on the floor. All of a sudden not, everything isn't black and white anymore. I'm seeing full color, beautiful green baseball field. And I, I had the sense I'm being watched. So I look up across from me and there's this like gray type alien looking right back at me. That's when it, that's when it became like, holy fucking shit. Like, Oh yeah, I bet. (laughs) And then I had another experience where like, I, I was a friend of mine was psychic way back in the day and I was learning stuff from her and I'd gone to this kind of Wicca store with her. She's like, Oh, they have a, a copper pyramid in the basement. You should go meditate under it. I'm like, all right, sure. <laughs> I go sit under it. And then like, like within five minutes, like I'm blasted open and I see in my mind, like there's these two ETs there. Like they look identical or very similar. And I could tell one's male, one's female. And then I'm like, well, okay, we're done with this. And then through other series of events, I figured out that they're like my, my two main spirit guides. But not only are they my two main spirit guides, they're also my parents. Is that are are they all the same species that you see, or do you see like different? Uh, all different like, species, all different species. Like just this one specific species you see, you have more of a connection with, and the connection being that they're your uh, like, I guess your consciousness I, is parents, or however you want to kind of word that. It, it it it's so easy to get caught up, and this is the thing that I struggle with is that if you look on the internet, people are like, 
you know, they're like, oh, there's this race, this race, this race, and they look like this, they look like that. And I'm like, I, I feel like that's all that's been blown up for me. There's so many different variations of life. I mean, most everything I see is bipedal, larger head, different looking skin. Um, Do they kind of so mix like people would too, in a sense? So like, uh, like different races will kind of like conjoin and become one race if they're able to like reproduce together. The only thing that I've seen of that would be like hybrids, like that they've been taking human DNA and making hybrids with. Other than that, the other ones look distinctly very much their own like the smaller ones that come and take you um you know there's usually two or three of them i call them the mechanics and it's not like they're even like really there to talk to you it's just like they're there to shuttle you from point a to point b they do the quick little like touch-up stuff like like uh, almost like mechanics like on at like a racetrack i assume is kind of where you where you start using that name from i like shuffle I, and get it done real quick yeah, like they're just they're nuts and bolts. They're like it's almost like they're programmed just to perform tasks. I mean, then that comes in too with the whole like reproduction idea that um like from what I've seen, it seems like we're the only ones that like reproduce like physically. It seems like these different beings they like reproduce in some other some other way. So I'm sure that that also plays a component in it where if there's something that's like uh like producing them, you know, they would kind of make them for certain specific jobs. Um but also too if they're getting produced like that it would also keep the bloodlines more pure in the sense of like you know one race would be one specific race kind of like how you were describing also so we have to like consciously you know i get in trouble for saying this with them but we have to look at consciously what we are we're a root race so life started this came through a channel i did in my second book blue star prophecy they talk about one planet starting life and all life expanding in 12 directions from this one planet. And then life has been, as they describe it, kind of leapfrogging across the universe, expanding, recreating, dominating, just doing its thing and rippling outward. And from what I've come to understand, we're very special and unique in our own way is that we're like a root race. And if you think of uh, an apple tree, all apple trees, like say Macintosh, are just cuttings from another Macintosh. So you have to have a scion, which is another type of uh, tree that they use. They cut it off and then they stick the Macintosh into the scion. So you have sections of DNA that are very easily replaced within our DNA chain where you can mix races and species. So if you want to move out across the universe and you're looking at expansions taking place, let's go plant the garden and keep some trees in reserve. If we burn out our race or our species, I'm just being hypothetical. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we can always go back here. And, you know, I think some of these higher minded races might reach a point where they are regenerating or recreating themselves, but they're not breeding in the sense that we breed. So if, if we're like the, the base point, does that mean that like we were the original or are we like that reserve garden, like you were talking about where maybe like our DNA, what we are exactly started off somewhere else and maybe Correct. that, you know, was near destruction. So they kind of just planted some over here and we're just like yes. the back burner. Yes, very much so. And is that part of the reason why uh, 
possibly why people don't see a lot of extraterrestrial life just out in the open is because we're probably like out in the middle of nowhere away from everything else going on is like that back burner reserve. You're back in a cornfield. Yeah. I, I, that that's, that's the sense that I get. I think everybody else is very aware of us, but we're not so aware of them. And you're looking at a race that's like 3d, 4d in its concept and understanding of itself. And your your the perspective that you look at the universe, the scope in which you're able to understand, is is very feeble compared to, you know, the hundreds of thousands of generations that they've lived. So we have. I, I guess if if you're you're taking a trip into yourself and you're going back further and further, and you have these ET experience. You probably, like myself, have had hundreds of thousands of other lifetimes on other planets. And that's why people come up with the thing where they say they're a starseed. And it's because they wake up here, they immediately realize that they hate it, they don't belong here, they don't want to be here, they never felt like they they blended in or that they belonged here. And part of them remembers, sometimes those lifetimes will come back to them. And then sometimes their relatives show up from other places and don't look anything like them. And you're completely scared and freaked out, (laughs) but they haven't forgotten who you are. So like that being said too, does that mean that like our, our planet is almost like a back burner for like multiple races? So that might be why people associate maybe like different types of aliens to be like insectoid is because, you know, they might be leaving their DNA here as like insects where like the greys, for example, be leaving their DNA here as like human DNAs for like base DNA. I suppose so. I mean, there, there's such a variety of life throughout the universe. It's we're we're kind of on our own island here, in effect. And until I, I think, I mean, if you get into like you really get into like the darker conspiracies about suppression of humanity, you know, spraying the skies, people are being fed poisons twenty four seven. I mean. F- for darker agendas and darker ET races, um, say like reptilian in, in nature, really just want to keep us dominated just for the sake of dominating a species so we don't evolve. I think from their perspective too, they can see where we'll be in the future and how part of our race is going to split off from itself and accelerate and expand, and they fear that. But there is a percentage, I, I refer to it as the 20%, that's going to move on and kind of follow a path of ascension where some of the souls are just going to stay in a much darker paradigm. But there, there definitely is a, um, a, a an agenda to keep us uh, suppressed here with what we're, where we're currently at. So that's kind of what we're fighting through. And uh, I had done a, a channel recently through for uh, MLK. And even he mentioned them. I'm like, it, it just randomly. I wasn't even thinking about them. I hadn't thought about them in a very long time. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, on the other side of the veil, what do you know that we don't know? Like, MLK is talking about reptilians. I'm like, this is really fucking weird. You know, I'm just where did that come from? 
So because everybody seems to ask this, like with your knowledge that you've had and acquired about reptilians, like what would you describe them as? Because some people say that they're more of like a hollow earth dwelling species. Some say they're interdimensional. Some say they're more of like a spiritual thing. Like, like what's your understanding of reptilians? Well, I can tell you what I know. And one of, I have done regressions on a few occasions. One of my past lives was being one of them, uh, Draco. And they're definitely an off-planet species, but dimensionally different as well. Um, psychically superior in every way to you and I. Um, I, as far as like being inner Earth, I, I don't know any anything about them being there. Um, off-planet, off-world, definitely yes. But, you know, like where they where they are supposedly like from then, um, because like like at least from my understanding. I always kind of like associated them with like hollow earth, but every time I talk to somebody that's a contactee, they don't so much associate them with that. So I'm always curious of like different no, people's I ideas mean, and views on them. Yeah. I mean, there definitely is life hiding out here and there has been since, you know, before we were whittled down to what we are now, you know, supposedly there was like five original species and we were cut down to what we are right now. Um, it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I, some people that really resonates with in, you know, the Hollow Earth and the other species that are here. I mean, how many times have you seen videos of uh, UFOs going into the ocean and yeah. moving through it like it's nothing at really fast speeds? I mean, it's it, we look like, you know, we look like idiots. You know, our <laughs> military is like inept and the, this morning on the news not to get off topic but they announced on the today show that nasa is assigning one of their astronauts and some other people to study ufos and i'm like this is a fucking setup i keep hearing of multiple different agencies talking about how they're setting up ufo investigation agencies and it's like it's it, it's only to, it's to control the narrative that's the only thing i, I could possibly see that yeah. it would be about and you, you know what they can point out videos and other shit and tell you what they supposedly know. I'm sure there's factions of the government that have vast knowledge of what the phenomenon is, but you can't control the phenomenon. It takes place across many dimensions of reality, across many uh, species of different lives that have different agendas that have been around. I mean, we're very young and naive and, how long we've we've been around and you you have generations that have been around you know since the first and second expansion of the universe and you know you know we were like basically like house cats compared to them i mean it's just there is no comparison in intelligence and ability do we have the potential to rise up to that absolutely is it going to take a lot of work and consciousness shifting yes do we need to stop eating chemicals and poisons every day Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, do, but, do you think that uh, just like the way society is controlled, do you think that like the people that are running society have connections to some of these beings that want to put us down, or do you think it's more of like a thing where they don't even know they're necessarily involved, and these beings have a way of like manipulating them without them knowing that they're the ones manipulating them? There's there's definitely bloodlines that run through them that they're associated with. Um, that I know for sure. I I think there is definitely dark manipulation behind the veil for like controlling people. 
I think people that are psychically weak can be, you know, definitely have, I mean, I've seen it myself in healing. It's, you have people with attachments, it's things that are demonic in nature. Um, there's definitely a lot of negative shit on the other side. Um, and you have larger controlling uh, factions of energy that are even over each continent of, of the earth too, that are, you know, controlling that. And these are the energy masses that kind of tap into people. When you see people like go off the rails, shooting sprees, like suicide runs, this like completely go off the rails and murderous rampages. That's, that's like dark possession right there. That dark energy just pirating itself into you, you know, almost like you're Mm -hmm. an unprotected computer with, with nothing there. And you just, your DOS and then they override and take somebody over, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, so you, you also have to take that into account as part of the story, the, uh, the biblical narrative, um, you know, that we have here, because that's very important and part of our story and our history. Um, You know, you kind of believe that the Bible is more so like a misinterpretation of different types of beings. Cause that's kind of how I've always kind of perceived it is that like what we perceived as angels and demons may have actually been different types of like possible extraterrestrial races. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of aliens and I've definitely seen demons and they're, they're definitely two distinct, very separate things. Um, there is definitely uh positive and negative here. And, um, you know, you, you do have people here that are, you know, you want to call them Satanists. Um, that are working with stuff that are really dark on the other side. I mean, you have, you have ETs that are both positive and negative as well. And then we also have, uh, you know, the angels here that are kind of presently here and unique for, for us and our, our life. But is there ET influence throughout the Bible? And um, I would say absolutely positively. Yes. I, I mean, They've been here in in various ways, shapes, and forms since, you know, we were planted. Yeah. And I mean, you see it in almost every ancient culture that they know knowledge about space, that there's no way that they would know. And they also have depictions of all these different things, flying different vehicles, different things. So it's like either one, it's extraterrestrials, or two, it proves that time travel is possible at some point in the future. But either way, there's some type of connection where they're getting that knowledge. They're not just pulling that from themselves or mm-hmm. be it that we were in a more advanced race at one point, you know, the extraterrestrials could be that more advanced race, you know, and they're, they're giving the knowledge. So there, there's some way or shape or form that they're getting the knowledge from, you know, and you do, you also have shamans that are there that are, you know, visiting other timelines and describing things to them and teaching people about things that are going on. You have, uh, future timelines of different races that are coming back to visit us as well. Um, that's also been alluded to in some of my channels. So y- you, ha- you, you know, it's like you have to look at the universe in every direction. You can't just say, yes, ETs came from another planet and they came visited Earth. We have to look at all the different timelines that are being compressed into each other right now. And that's part of what the energy is like right now. It's very tough, very dense. And it's like collapsing timelines. And 
It's almost like There's, getting pushed from every direction into a yes. box and we're in the middle of that box and you have all the, the timelines coming from horizontally and vertically from up and down and from left to right, all pushing into one point all at once. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why you have people, you know, you're seeing things with the Mandela effect where, you know, memories and things are changing. Um, it, I had a terrifying thought the other day. I don't know why I thought this because like, you know, the realities are stacked on top of each other. And they might as well be sheets of paper in a book. And I was like thinking to myself and I saw in my head, I'm like visualizing CERN. And I'm like, what if CERN is activated on the other timelines as well? I'm like, what the fuck would that do? Like, what if it's one of those things where it only works if every timeline is doing it at the same exact time? So maybe like if one timeline is doing it, that's where you start getting these shifts in between. And the only way it would theoretically work is if every timeline did it all at once and that would create that like inner parallel shift or whatever you want to call it that they're trying to attempt to do. Yeah. And what are they really trying to achieve by running that thing? I mean, really try. I mean, that's that terrifies me. Have you gotten any uh, like messages like describing like possibly I, like something that might relate to CERN? Yes. And that was before I started like writing channel messages I was just walking upstairs in my house and going to my bedroom and I, some certain places I get messages from the other side. I don't, I couldn't explain why, but certain areas I do. Um, this is going to sound weird, I, but is it when it's you're passing through doorways? Cause it seems like that always, like a lot of people describe that as like almost like a, like a portal or like a connection when you like pass through doorways. Kind of like that. Yeah. I was walking up the stairs and I just got into the hallway. And as I was coming up the stairs, they showed me, they told me that the, uh, the super collider was going to collapse timelines. And I'm like, I didn't know what to do with that information. I'm like, uh, uh, what am I supposed to? <laughs> so, and this is before I started writing things. Um, there's a certain area of my kitchen. I walk through between the refrigerator and the Island where I get messages or kind of downloads. And then the bathroom is the main one. So weird question per- pertaining to CERN, just because you're making me think about it, not to, that's a off track from what you were saying, but um, like if CERN if if CERN has the ability that like when they do these things they're able to like almost like alter memories or people don't know for sure like what the past was, like you have an idea in your mind but you don't know for sure. Do you think it's possible that they could get to a point where if they keep starting up this machine they'll get to a point where things get so funky that everybody like almost can't tell the difference of what things used to be because their perception of now versus the past is like, this is how everything was now. Like that doesn't make sense for the past. Cause that's, that's too weird from how things are now. Like it would almost like shift the consciousness to believe that that's how things have always been. That, it, that makes a lot of sense. And that would, that would tie into a lot of the uh, megalithic structures that we have in our feeble attempts to explain how these things exist and their precision cut rocks stacked into walls i mean there's so many so many things that we can't duplicate with modern machinery and there's monolithic structures in egypt that modern machinery can't move it it, you've got to be kidding me if you didn't think these people had advanced technology yeah even like uh just a prime example um i forgot the name of it exactly but there's a sarcophagus in egypt where it almost looks like they're cutting it fast and it has that veer off cut that goes to the right where if they're using any type of hand tool, they would have corrected it and there wouldn't have been that veer off line. But it almost looks like they're using something that was like laser cutting it at a fast speed that they weren't able to like correct the cut as they were doing it. Mm-hmm. 
and there's no soot and black charred uh, material on the roofs of uh, the areas that they're working in and painting in the the tombs. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, yeah. Just I, a I bunch think... of stuff they teach you in school that makes no sense if you just sit down and logically think about it for two seconds. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of shit. There's a lot of shit, and it's it's really fun to think about, and it it makes you wonder like how dumbed down have we been, like what version of humanity are we are we right now and you know it's almost like that 1984 concept where you tell society that two plus two equals five yes and if they're always taught that that's how they're always going to see it but all it takes is one logical person to sit down and say no if you if you put that together that makes four (laughs) yeah that's that's where they they do to winston at the end of the story they basically like where they torture him and they're like two plus two is five, and then he agrees with them. And they're like, "No, it's four. We told you it's, it. It's this crazy." Want to hear something I mean, weird? Talk about Akashic Record. I was saying a metaphor like that before I had even watched or read that movie. Like a couple years before I'd seen it, I said something, and I heard that I watched all that part in that movie and read that part in the book, and uh, it was I was just like mind blown by it. That like this, I thought of that same concept. Like it almost makes you wonder if like you're tapping into the Akashic record sometimes when you just kind of will like have a metaphor that'll just like pop out of your mouth and you don't really know where it comes from. Like it's like a collected consciousness that everybody can tap into. And you have like little things like that, that almost shows that there's proof of it. But you know, you tell it to somebody who doesn't believe in that stuff and they're just going to, you know, completely brush it off. But you tell it to somebody that believes in it. And it's like, yeah, that is, it doesn't make any sense how, how that would pop in your head unless there's this tap into something bigger. It, it, there's there's 1984 George Orwell, which is awesome. Uh, Brave New World by Atlas Huxley, which is it's tough to get through the first two chapters, but like once you get to the end of it, you're gonna be like, this is the greatest work of genius, and it shows society being programmed and bred separate from their parents and drugged from the time that they're born, shocked into being compliant, like no free thinkers. Weird how that sounds like now. (laughs) Everybody's on pharmaceuticals. It's crazy. And then uh, Ayn Rand wrote uh, Anthem, which is like a very short novella. And it's, I mean, I've read, I'm finishing up Atlas Shrugged. I read Fountainhead too. But like this, this book, I went back and read it. It's, it's so frightening how prophetic some of the things is are that she writes because it's a point in the future a dystopian future where no technology is left and there's everybody is taught from the you know taught in these basic schools and it's like the dumb most dumbed down version of anything you could learn and then they decide which road you take you're going to be a street sweeper or you're going to be one that cooks and if you're if they like you they'll send you to the school of higher learning or something and everybody has, you're not allowed to say the word I. I is illegal. There's only we. We can only refer to yourself as we. So the main character is referring to himself as you're listening to the narrative as we. And then eventually he reaches a point in the story where he he tears away from the society after he discovers a tunnel, an old railway tunnel or a subway tunnel with all this other stuff in it. And his whole concept of reality is blown up because he now knows that other things were possible that society had like died and collapsed. And then this horrible controlled reality took over and he eventually leaves and goes through the forest and he discovers a house that has books in it. 
and then the in the books he discovers the word i and this like shifts his entire world i mean it's kind of the basic premise of it but it's it's that like also this... have a thing with mirrors in it too, because I remember it sounds really familiar. I'm pretty sure I've read that before, and I remember there being a part where they weren't allowed to see what they looked like or their reflections, and he like saw his reflection for the first time. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just crazy, and then you get into this whole, uh, this this uh, dystopian thing, this whole trans thing that's going on right now, where uh, sexuality is being erased in male and female is kind of being destroyed and we're, we're moving towards a reality where everything is becoming homogenized and our identities are kind of being erased in a way that we're being forced to agree with, you know, this narrative that is now taking place. Yeah. Otherwise you can't reproduce and you can't have kids. They're kind of getting into a point where it's like, once you're not able to reproduce on your own, then essentially you can control the flow of knowledge because if you don't like the way somebody thinks, if they can't have a kid, they can't pass on their method of thought, and they would essentially just select the people that you know are the ones that do exactly everything to the T how they like it, and then they'd raise their next generation of kids to be like that. And you can almost like weed out the free thinkers by not letting them reproduce. Yes, which is a horrifying That's, future to think about. <laughs> it is very horrifying. And uh, I had this argument with my daughter about it, and she's like, "That's that's homophobic." I'm like, "No." I'm like, I've worked in the fashion industry for 14 and a half years. I know all kinds of gay people. I don't care if you're gay. I couldn't care less. But people cutting up, telling their 13-year-old kid to cut up their body, to change their sex, I don't agree with that. That's instant sterilization. You put a different name on it, and then instantly people would have an issue with it, but they're not wording it that way, and they're making it sound like they're doing something good. When it's like you, you can't even get a tattoo unless you're 18 and you're going to let somebody permanently alter their body in a different sense, but you won't let them get, you know, just like words on their arm. Like the logic of that doesn't make sense to me either. Like yeah. that, that they're pushing it for such a young age too. And just, you know, pushing people into that world. And if you don't agree with it, then like you were saying, like you're homophobic, not realizing that you need to reproduce. Otherwise life can't carry on. And, and, and- and for me personally, I don't think there's anything that is more anti-God than that. Anti-creation. Yeah, because however you it's perceive like, the universe or creation, that would be the darkest version of it, I guess, or the opposite of what it is. Isn't that almost like taking like being a God in your own sense if you're like able to reproduce life? Like it's it's going against like a higher creator, even in that sense of like you being the one that's controlling life and what exists and what does not at that point. Yes. And then what I was shown through a hybrid that I'm connected to, because, you know, they take your little men and they make other beings, which is probably number one and most disturbing list for having had the experience. And uh, she had shown me uh, like I was there in the room uh, this um, almost like big clear sacks hanging from the ceiling of, of like um, with fetuses in them. And the room was like dark and then backlit with orange and it smelled like sulfur. This is where they're, they're growing the uh, hybrids. Hmm. It seems like there's always that like sulfur connection, whether it be like paranormal extraterrestrial there's a lot of like even like cryptids and stuff like there's always seems to be that like sulfur connection yeah that's and it was like 
you know, connected mind to mind, like I was right there and I could smell it and it was what it, yeah, terrifying. This is going to sound like a weird question, but did you get to see any of these like hybrid beings that like were, were offshoots of yourself? Uh, yeah, one I, I stay in touch with and that's the main, main one I know I call her my daughter, but, um, does she, she kind of look like you or a different race? Uh, does not look like me much taller, uh, very pale white skin. And I have birthmark. If you can see that she mm. has like all over jet black hair, like dark eyes, not like really huge eyes, but like psychic ability well beyond anything you can perceive to the point where she's talked before with my, cause I, I do uh, with my friend's spirit circle every couple weeks and we do readings for each other. And my friend who's a psychic medium runs it. So a couple times she's like come through and talk to her and then, you know, she's connected with me at various points, but I'm not as good as say my friend is. So I get bits and pieces, but how this came to be, was I woke up and usually I'll get like a lot of messages or stuff early in the morning, like after I wake up or I lay in bed for like a half hour or 45 minutes when I just wake up. And it, this is really hard to describe, but it was like seeing her there next to my bed, like leaning over, like she was like a nurse to me. And I mean, she's got to be in her mid twenties now, at least. Um, but it, she, it was, I kind of just kind of got a, almost like a download from her, like mind to mind. And it was like, I was seeing her, she was right there, but it was like, if I could describe this, you know, in I'll make a Star Wars reference, you know, we're in the first episode of Star Wars, R2-D2 projects Obi, projects uh, Princess Leia, mm-hmm. Leia, and it would be something like that, except... I'm looking and I'm seeing this like in front of me. So it's almost like that concept of like uh, language becomes obsolete when you're able to like project an exact idea and thought into somebody's head. So essentially the, like they're projecting it into the point like where, yes, to the point where I'm physically seeing you almost like by locating. And yeah, that's where I'd first come up. And, and I kind of had to like pull at this thread for a long time and unravel it. And um, yeah, I, I can say it legitimately cried about this a few times because uh you know i've learned stuff about her life here and there and um it's literally probably the most painful aspect of of abduction that you'll experience if if you should so meet one of the uh offspring that they've made from you and they have their own life and uh i guess can share aspects of their being i had written a uh i'd written a poem about her is she more like a like like I guess an experiment for them, or is she like completely like free? It has her own free will. She can do like whatever she wants. Or... She she was in jeopardy for a long time, and then periodically is. Um, they're very because of her human genes. They're very afraid of who she is. So they keep a thumb on her then. Yes, the last I knew, she was with these. When I could look in, was she was with this species, and they were all. They were all women, but they were like almost pink looking, 
all of them and imagine her looking kind of Caucasian and amongst them. But the sense that I got when I looked in was like what I immediately got, or maybe she was telling me this was that like, they're very afraid of her. Maybe because they know how violent humans are. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Or uh, like on the lighter side, hopefully maybe there's just something special about our DNA. Maybe like we have more of a power of free will than anybody else does. And because of that, we can also be dangerous because we can't be as easily controlled. Maybe, maybe. So this is, this is what I wrote. It's called star child with each moment that passes, you move further away. There are now stars between us. My father is not your father. I am only your father from here in the now I exist as such, but there are still stars between us. What will your day be like when you grow up and realize that there are stars between us? Things are much the same for me now as they ever were. I get up each day and live my life with hopes, goals, and aspirations. But for you, what will that even mean? Simply because there are stars between us. My daughter, my child in the stars, I can't reach high enough into the heavens between us. Just know one thing, that is that... You are never forgotten. You're always in my heart, even though there are stars between us. Very lovely poem. <laughs> which uh, which one of your books is that in? Abductee Poetry. Abductee Poetry. That's another one I'll have to grab. I'm a huge fan of poetry. Yeah, so that that's, I guess, out of a lot of the experiences... That's probably psychologically like the worst, the worst thing you could hope to deal with. Yeah, it's almost like having a child ripped away from you in the most like logical sense of it. That it's like you know that it's, it's like having a child out in the world and wanting to have that connection with the child, but you can't quite make it like you want to. Like in a more more, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. Just if if somebody else is trying to relate it to it, that's like the best way that I would assume to describe it. Right for the same kind of feeling. Hmm. I mean, I I mean, I I have a daughter too. I mean. You know, she's 15, you know, teenager going to high school. And, you know, I'm very blessed that, you know, she's very smart, you know, great kid, get along with her. And, you know, I'm very blessed in that respect. And then I'm also equally as cursed with uh, having to know this. Yeah. I'm saying, and it's how, like... how did how did she ever find me was what blows my mind. I think it's that longing connection where you guys have have that interplanetary whatever you want to call it connection where regardless if she didn't know physically who you were she would still be able to almost like follow that tie to figure out who you were especially considering that the dna is so special yeah there's there's definitely there's definitely something to it because that the dna the subject of the dna comes up over and over and over again in the channeled messages so there's definitely something very special in who we are and what we're capable of and you know if we can ever get our shit together and and focus um and you know kick all this darkness off this planet i think uh we could do fantastic things as a species no i definitely agree so i guess since it's starting to get towards the end of the show um first of all just like to say i would definitely love to have you on again because you're a plethora of knowledge that i would love to hear um but for today if there was any words of wisdom that you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? Uh, my words of wisdom would be to build your library. 
Buy lots of books before they disappear. Don't buy ebooks because they take them back. They can always alter stuff too. Even if you think you still have them, they could always alter different things in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So knowledge is power and educate yourself. Um, you know, read as much as you can, build your own library, be your own teacher. So I guess for anybody that enjoyed the conversation and uh, they wanted to find some of your books or they wanted to find you, because I guess you can't really do Facebook and Instagram currently. Uh, like where would people come find your books and where people come find you? You can find me at dimensional-healings.com. That's my website. It has all my information, a list of my books. You can find my books anywhere uh, books are sold online pretty much. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, Better World Books. Um, yeah. Pretty much all over the place. I really appreciate you making the time to come on the show today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And everybody out there listening, I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and I'll catch you on the next one. Happy night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>